This morning, I want to talk about money. I know, that's the last thing that you want to hear about on Sabbath morning. And it's the last thing you probably want to hear about from your spiritual leader. But think of it for a moment. What is money? What is money? Do you have any answers? What? <laughs> any other thought? Money. What's it to you? God's, yeah. Medium of exchange. Yeah. What else? It's what money is. It's a medium of exchange. It's a symbol. It's a symbol of what is of value to us. And um, it's a symbol of life, as a matter of fact. Many of us work and we exchange our time for money that we get to be able to sustain life. And so money is something that is spiritual. It's talked about a lot in the scriptures, in the New Testament. Jesus, talk, Jesus talked about it. Another question that I have for you, is, good, is money good or bad? What? Neither. That's right. It's neutral. It can be used both for good and for evil. But doesn't the Bible say that money is the root of all evil? Ah, I'm glad to hear. There's some good students here that know that it's, there's one word missing here. It's the love of money, the inordinate love of money that is the root of all evil. So that tells us that it's not money that's bad. It's it to have the right attitude toward money. And money has value only in relation to what it represents. For years, money that is used in bills and coins represented and found its value in relationship to what weight in rare metal, specifically gold, it could be converted to. Many nations, including the United States, had what was called a gold standard system for years. The United States had this after World War II from 1946 until it was given up in 1971. And so we don't use this today anymore, but the, the expression gold standard uh, is still used in many ways. Gold standard for health care. Um, <clears throat> I read the other day uh, of Chipotle as the gold standard for Mexican fast food. Uh, Toyota as the gold standard for automobile reliability. And you name it, according to what you like. So now the money that we use, uh, bells and coins, that they are not exchangeable for gold the same way uh, that it used to be. And money has value today only because the government says it does. It doesn't mean that some people and some countries don't hold to gold reserves. Gold is still rare, and it's therefore considered valuable. You might have seen on magazine magazines and maybe on billboards. I think I have seen this past couple of weeks. Billboards will buy your gold. Jewelers try to get gold. And we hear a lot about this today because the value of gold, because it's potentially a safer place to save, to keep your money from inflation and fluctuations than either cash or investment in the mind of some. But the question, another question, I have lots of questions this morning. Another question that I have for you is, is gold as, as rare and precious commodity as it is? Uh, it, it is 
I'm going to give you a hint of my answer course. But is it the ultimate commodity of what money is a symbol? Is gold, even as a rare precious metal, um, an ideal and valid form of storing value in, a, in the safest way possible in this disconcerting context of uh, the economics of the day and of the world going up and down? And the answer to both questions, I, I suppose you've guessed, in my view, is no. And <clears throat> my answer is backed by the answer that, or the thoughts that Jesus expressed um, in the words that um, in the same chapter as what was read a moment ago by Tim. Jesus actually, in Matthew chapter 6, spoke of where such safety, the safety that, that we're really looking for in an uncertain world, He's talking about this safety especially, specifically, over against metals that can be stolen or corroded. His words in the same chapter, verses 19 to verse 21, Jesus said, Do not lay for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I'm aware of the fact that gold is not very corrosive. It can be corroded very easily, but it can Cyanic acid, and there's a number of things that can just mess it up. And Jesus says, don't trust in these things. They are not the, safe, the safety that you're looking really, that you're looking for. And I take from these words that the gold standard is not adequate to provide safety to the same degree that the God standard is. And by God standard, I refer to the universal, infinite, ever-present, intangible substance of God himself. The ultimate substance and source of our being, breathing and moving as it says in Acts chapter 17. Now, I know that we all recognize, we must recognize, we must admit, we must confess to some attachment to our money. For some of us that may not have as much as we wish we had, it may be with dreams, even when we're not conscious of it, of winning the lottery. But you know what, you know what usually happens to people that have the lottery, right? To win the lottery. How do they end up? Broke, that's right. But I know, most of you would be willing to try the experiment. <laughs> but that's what happened. But it shows up our attachment to money can show in this, for those of us who may not have much, and for those of us who have more, it may be with, you know, making sure that we are looking at uh, the stock market or our bank statements or something like this. But all their situations and circumstances where this is not going to help, where money does not help, 
what are those situations? What do you do in those situations where money doesn't help? Think of situations where money is not useful, when it doesn't matter whether you do have money or not. Hmm? What are you saying? Your health, yes, when, you have, when you're faced with an illness that's life-threatening. And we're just escaping the summer, but what about when you're caught in a snowdrift uh, in South Dakota, in, in, a, in, a, in a remote place, and your cell phone doesn't ring like it just did a moment ago, <laughs> you know? Um, and it doesn't work. Or when, what, what other situation? When you have lost a, a dear one, maybe a child. These are situations where it doesn't matter that in your car you have stashed in the back like $500. Your money is worthless. What is of value in such circumstances is, as you were saying, it's the, it's the nurses and the physicians that have the education that can help you with your life-threatening illness. It is the friends and families that know that you're on the road between this and there and know that you're missing, that will look for a search party for you. It is the friends and the support group and the faith that you have that will help you to cope with the loss that you experienced. It is the old friend or pastor or the old horse that knows the way back home that will be of help. It's not money anymore, but it's people. Some of you may recall that um, the first um, <clears throat> three years when I moved to Wisconsin to here, I'd go during the summer to, um, actually, yes, I'd go to Andrews University. And I took the classes for my D-men. And it happens that this year I'm privileged to finish that up. I, by the end of this year, I will be done with this. And I say a big amen. Well, uh, uh, and it's a gift that I'm very grateful for to God and, and this congregation. But I went this past... Um, Week, I went to use the library and pressing on to finish writing this thing. Um, and as I went to Andrews University, I hadn't been there for a while. And I saw lots of kids. And um, have, you, have you had this? I'm just wondering, am I the only one that have felt this? You see some kids and you feel, you feel like you've known them, you've seen them before. But, but somehow they've passed this puberty time. They're not juniors anymore. And, and they're working and talking with other kids their age. And there's not the, hi, how are you doing? It's just like, I think I know them, but I'm not sure. And um, the last meal that I went there before I would take my car back to come back to Wisconsin, I realized that these kids looked so familiar, and some of them were. I met Pastor Delmar Austin's daughter, for example, at the library. And, you know, you look like you, I know you. What's your name, Austin? And I didn't realize. And, and she told me, yeah, you probably know my dad. But I realized when I left, I was at the cafeteria, and I looked at some of those kids that they looked, they were just like four or five years older than my Rebecca. You know? The, 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 the impossible, well, to me sometimes. Everybody says that she's lovely. But in, the, in my house, I'm her father, and it's not always as easy as it was when she was an adoring seven-year-old. But she's, I, I saw those kids as about four or five years older than this kid that will soon get out of my house. And I realized I've, I've passed a page here. I cannot be identified anymore with those kids. 
and the preciousness of them just just I, I got it in the face. It's people that are important. That's what's most important. Money is something that I may wish to have more of at times. And I'm grateful for what God gives me, and I'm sure that you are as well. But it's people that are important. It's God that's important. Because actually a definition that I have of people is God with skin on. God is inch, inch one reflected in his image. You know, it's important for us to look at each other sometimes and imagine the brother that you see next door just like, you know, when 10 years or 15 years from now. You may have an, an argument with, with, with him or with her, but everything takes a different perspective when you think they might be missing out of your life someday. It just turns my heart. I, I don't think that I'm a romantic. It's just something that imagine. Or to look back and see this person as when they were a little child, you know, a 10-year-old or something, full of hopes, and, and then imagine what they've gone in life and so on and so forth. You identify. And that's what's important. God, God placed his image in each one of us. As God's children, God's creation, we are all expressions of God's love, aren't we? Another description that a poet has given is that each one of us is a drop in the ocean of God's love. So the ultimate value is not in gold. The ultimate value of what matters when gold is not useful is people, it's God. And I think that one of the tricks in this counterfeit war that Satan has, one of the tricks that Satan uses is to make us think that resources are scarce. And so we operate not out of love, but out of fear. You see, when you think resources are scarce, you're afraid that you may not have enough. And you operate from the wrong platform. There's only two platforms. It's either love which casts away fear or, or fear. But God's presence in God, God is infinitely, eternally abundant. And not just abundant, but God is not remote. And it's not something that we can enjoy and benefit from after 10,000 steps or 10 hours of work or whatever, he's present all the time. I read once, the one thing that a fish can never find is water. And the one thing that man can never find seems to be God. And the connection is that just as water surrounds the fish, God surrounds each one of you close to your skin right now. And at all times. It's true. Despite what is going on around us, in the world, on the TV, in the world that we can see, none of us is ever far away from God more than one thought. I'm talking about this still in the context of the unrest in our own state. 
to break the current political standoff. Governor Walker threatened yesterday to issue thousands of layoffs. Many think that the budget discussions and demonstrations are about money. It's not about money, primarily. It's about human worth and dignity and control. And there are various perspectives on this. From the point of view of educators and employees, either directly or indirectly related, it is about wages, benefits, future employment to sustain their families. For all Wisconsinites, it is about getting, not continuing, accumulating an unsustainable budget deficit that will cripple the future, while at the same time maintaining needed services. For the governor, it is about balancing out various interests. For the Republicans in the House, it is about meeting financial demands without raising taxes. And for the Democrats in the Senate, it might be a chance to take a little vacation across the border in Illinois. <laughs> Each one of them, different perspective. And I have my own strong opinion in these matters, but I have tried to put together here for you a balanced presentation of the various views of all concerned. But I hope that you this morning will all agree with me that for all touched by this unrest, near and far, this situation, in every situation of life, is an opportunity to find and connect not just with money and the gold that we need, but with the divine, the God who blesses us with life and health and money to live. The God standard is the ultimate store of value, and unlike any other, it is neither rare nor distant, but abundant and ever-present. In Acts chapter 17, the Apostle Paul talks about this, and he says that God is not like idols of gold, silver, or stones, of humans shaping and devising it's not just idols, but it's also anything that we hold as idols. And he says, despite that we grope for him, he is never far from any of us for him, because it is in him, himself, that we live and move and have our beings. To have value, money that we use, but that, you, that we use may not have to be rooted in a gold standard but to be truly useful in spiritual economics, money must be an expression, must be a symbol of what I just named the God standard. In God we trust. These words that are printed on our bills do not have to be only words that are printed there. They can also those few words, constitute for us a personal statement of our faith that we affirm every time that we use money at the grocery store, when we receive our paycheck, when we pay a bill, when we give a gift, or when we return our gifts to God in church, or anywhere else. These words, in God we trust, Every time that we use money to receive it or to give it, 
even on this earth and in these times of economic scarcity. These words can be the connection for us to understand that money is only a symbol and that the attitude that will give us a blessing towards it is to understand it's a symbol of God's abundant and ever-present presence around us. The words that Jesus said and that I read a few, that were read a few moments ago echo and actually precede the words of the Apostle Paul as warning both against idolatry and as pointers to where true safety live, lies. I'm just going back to Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said as a warning against idolatry, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. That is the warning. Now verse 25, therefore, so you see, uh, who you worship determines what will follow now. Therefore, if you don't have gold as your God, but you understand that God is right there with you all the time. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. Understanding the God standard allows you to not worry as Gentiles do. It says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat and what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Therefore, a second time, don't worry saying, what shall we eat and what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after these things the Gentiles seek. But your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, a third time, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So I know that in every text there's a number of things that you can try to get it to, to say that are both all valid. But what I want to say from this is that the attitude towards money that we have as either uh, being the essential or being a tool that uh, just simply is something that God provides for us can become <clears throat> very important. It will either enslave us in worry or liberate us from worry. And then also, and I'm about to close with this, it would enable us to um, not just be blessed, but to be a blessing to others. Albert Schweitzer was one of my favorite um, missionary um, stories heroes when I was a kid. He spent most of his life, second half of his life, ministering to, um, to sick people in the jungles of Africa. Mohammed, uh, Gandhi liberated India from the oppression of colonialism. Jesus liberated humanity by living um, similarly to Gandhi, who was poor. Jesus said he didn't have a roof uh, or a place to sleep uh, during his ministry here. Neither of the three of them had much money. And yet we know that the furthering of the important messages that they carried out in the world was sustained by gold money. So that's important too. But in the same way, we who may not have much money can help further the important message of your individual life. 
by money, by the use of money that you have. Through all the money gifts that you give, yes, with an eye on the tax uh, purpose of a deduction, but mostly from the heart. Every time that you use the few dollars that you have with your heart to be a blessing to others, you demonstrate your belief in the abundance of God around you and you are a blessing to others that brings glory to him. Money is only a symbol of life, the life that we receive from God that he's given us eternal life in Jesus. Jesus said that he came so that we can have life more abundant. And I don't know if this translates right away for everybody in the same amount of dollars, but right away it does uh, show up in each one of our life by the knowledge that God is around us and loves us. Abundance is indeed the word that best characterizes the life that is ours in him, who is able to do exceedingly more abundantly than we can think or even imagine, according to the power that works in us. Okay, before we sing the closing hymn, I would like to ask you to close your eyes for a moment and take that in practical way. I invite you to spend a few moments of silent meditation and prayer to make yourself comfortable for it. Many times we come in the church and we haven't taken the time to unload ourselves of all the worries. And I want to invite you as you sit down to leave the worries of the week that you have carried in your body throughout the week. It should be that as a result of worshiping God and being in his house on these pews, and it should be that by worrying less, your body will be more relaxed, less tense, and you'll be able to breathe better, more deeply. And now, knowing that God has made you, and that God surrounds you, and that, as God, that God is ever-present around you, that your life is in Him, that He's the source of your life, that He guides, protects, and blesses you. I want to ask you to affirm the following. I establish myself in the limitless substance of God and I have abundance. Say with me this prayer of affirmation, either with your mouth or in your mind. I establish myself in the limitless abundance of God. And I have abundance. Once more. I establish myself in the limitless substance of God and I have abundance breathe it in breathe into it and carry this feeling and this thought into the world as we go out of worship today out of the Sabbath day and into a new week. With much or with less, 
I know that God is never far away. I know that God is right here around me and in me, leading, blessing me, and making me a blessing. I have abundance because I establish myself by faith in the limitless and ever-present substance of God. Dear God, we want to thank you so much for having made us rich today. Maybe our banknote is the same, the amount of banknotes that we have, but we are richer today as a result of knowing that we have you with us at all times. We have abundance, and we want to thank you and praise you for that. Help us to choose not to worry, at least for the remaining hours of this Sabbath day. Help us to choose to rest in you around us at all times. And now, as we go from this place, we'd like to say together the words which Jesus taught us to say. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forget our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.